And I hope, I hope the mission of the church is not a mystery to you. Uh, we actually talk about it each week. It's, it's in there in the benediction every single week. We live to reach all people with nothing but Jesus. We live to reach all people with nothing but Jesus. That is our mission here at Reach Church. Right. And with that, with that, we want to say that we are committed to that mission. That we have, we have kind of narrowed it down and focused on one thing. This is the mission of the church. And today we're going to talk about our relationship to that mission. Now, there's three kind of categories of people as they relate to that mission. All right, the first category, people who, you may be new. You're probably, this might be your first week here. I apologize. This is kind of like a, a family meeting. Um, the, the sermon will talk more about what nothing but Jesus means and, and why we call ourselves reach. Um, so don't worry. There, there will be something, there'll be plenty of Jesus to go around. Um, but if you're in that first category, you might not know what nothing but Jesus means. Um, maybe you're not um, yet sure if you are a follower of Jesus. You're not sure if, uh, if your faith is your own. And maybe you're, you're younger and you've kind of inherited this faith from your parents. You're just not sure yet. All right, I want to say I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. We, we love for those who are looking into Jesus and kind of hoping to learn more about him. Um, and we hope that you kind of grow into the mission and you're excited about it as we're excited about it. All right. But we're mostly talking to, to the second group. The second group. All right, the second group of people as they relate to the mission, um, you've trusted in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus. You're resting in Jesus. All right. Maybe you're serving in the church. You're serving here. You're serving outside the church. Maybe you're even in leadership. All right. That doesn't mean that you're all about the mission. That doesn't mean that you're all in and committed to it. And kind of from the heart, love this thing called reach church and this phrase, nothing but Jesus. All right. You're, you're kind of tolerating the mission. Tolerating reach church, tolerating nothing but Jesus. All right. Now we're all here to a certain extent sometimes in our hearts. All right. You can see it in the way that sometimes we react to nothing but Jesus. All right. Maybe we hear nothing but Jesus and we kind of like roll our eyes a little bit. Maybe if you're not actually rolling your eyes, you're like rolling the eyes of your heart. <laughs> like, okay, nothing but Jesus. Like, yes, I've heard that before. Yes, we say that. Yes, we say it's the solution to everything. Like, Jesus, Jesus. And if you're kind of cynical about it. All right. Some of you are, are cynical about the name. The name of our church, Reach Church. All right. And you're kind of cynical because it's been other names. It has been other things. It's been GRPC, Glasgow Reformed Presbyterian Church. All right. It's been Glasgow Church. It's been Fair Hill Church. For a while, we were Redemption Church. Okay, I get that. All right. We're committed to Reach Church. And when you talk about the name of the church, the name of the church is Reach Church. All right. You don't have to say, well, I guess it's Reach Church now. All right. You don't have to do that. All right. That's not helpful. That's like, that's showing something about our heart there. All right, like, we're all about the mission. And the name of our church is now the mission. Like, we, we reach people with nothing but Jesus. And the attitude with which we talk about the church, it, it shows our heart towards the mission, our devotion towards the mission. Now, when Peter was renamed Peter, we just talked about this for several weeks, when, when Simon became Peter, he became Peter because his mission changed. He was now the foundation of the church. He was now the rock. All right, we have refocused our mission and we have said, okay, we are Reach Church. We are here to reach people. We are here to reach people with this singular message, nothing but Jesus. Now, we should be excited about that name because it, it actually, it, it's our mission. It's, it's a mission that Jesus has given us. And when we say things like, okay, reach, reach classes or reach groups, that's a reminder to us that these are not just groups here for my own personal edification. Like, no, I'm actually, I need to be reached with the gospel. I need to be reached with nothing but Jesus. And these groups need to be all about Jesus and then they need to go out and be about giving people nothing but Jesus. That's why they're called reach groups. All right? It says something. And when we call it like eight iterations of something else, it says something about what we think about 
this mission of the REACH group. All right. We show that we're not totally into the mission when we react to kind of the, the techniques of the church. So, uh, we're committed to reaching all people and people who wouldn't get reached by normal church settings. And so, yes, we're going to give people music that is loud and music that aren't hymns because people don't tend to listen to hymns in their cars. Uh, some of you do, but not, not the people out there we're trying to reach. We are going on social media and putting, yes, putting your faces on the internet uh, to try to reach people with nothing but Jesus. And we don't like that. And you feel like kind of weird about that. I don't, I don't want to be that. Like, all right, that's our cross to bear. It's one more cross to bear. We're going to bear it to reach people with Jesus. All right. And we, it shows in our attitude towards these things. Are we excited about them? Or are we kind of like, kind of resentful? Feel kind of like we're like being greedy or like overconsumed with the mission? Like, no, we're being about the mission. We're doing it. We don't need to be cynical about it. All right, this last one, this last one is, uh, is special tailored to our, our setting. All right, we can be cynical and we can be sarcastic and we can be angsty about the fact that we are a campus. We are a campus of one church reach church. All right, for those of you who don't know, uh, there's two campuses of this church. There's the Fair Hill campus, the Summit Bridge Road campus. All right, yes, the Summit Bridge Road campus is larger. All right, yes, we are smaller. All right, but we can't go around acting like we're like, on the one hand, the, the good campus, and that that other campus sucks. You know, like that's, that's not charitable to them, and like not thought the mission. Like, we are, we are one church, and we are, we are moving towards Jesus together. All right, likewise, we can't, okay, so we can't act like we're like the, the great campus, and like, Thank the Lord that he put me in the good campus. Okay, no. And then we, but we also can't be like the resentful campus. Like, oh, like our building is terrible. And like, oh, they're painting again. Like, we also don't get to be the like angry stepchild campus. That's just not supportive of the mission. All right. And it, it shows, it shows. And when you like, when you talk to each other, it shows if you're in this category. And you say things like, oh, like, yeah, I'm going to that, that group. I don't know what it's called this time. They'll probably change it in a month. Like, and it speaks volumes about, uh, about who we are as a church. It speaks to the people out there of where we stand in the mission. They were kind of like being begrudgingly dragged along on this mission. All right. All right, there's this third category of person, though. The third category of person, and... They're excited about the mission and like wholeheartedly all in. All right. When they think of nothing but Jesus, they don't think like silly tagline. They think like, okay, this is, this is helpful. It's a helpful way of summarizing the gospel and summarizing like what we're all about here. That we're reminded that, okay, we're saved by nothing but Jesus. We could just say we're saved by Jesus, but then we all add all this other stuff on. It's a reminder like to not tack on anything else. The more we add to it, the more... We're damning ourselves. It's a reminder that in these groups, like in our daily life, if we're not being about Jesus, if we, we're not committed to him, then we're wasting our time. And so we get excited about talking about nothing but Jesus, spreading nothing but Jesus, and actually saying that phrase without eyes rolling, but like, oh no, like that is our salvation. I understand that that's how we talk about it. And that's good. You get excited that we have one single mission that we can focus on and we can actually say, we hear each week. A lot of churches aren't that focused. They kind of just throw out the Bible each week and it gets lost. It gets muddy. We can be excited about trying new things and reaching people in different ways. And when, when leadership comes up with like a new, a new way to reach people instead of being like, Ugh, like, what are they doing now? Like, instead it can be like, oh, like, okay, like, let's see who we can reach. When Summit Bridge Road, like, when people go there and hear the gospel, we should be excited. Just like they should be excited for us when they come here. And there really are people who have come here 
it doesn't fit, and they find themselves at the Summit Bridge Road campus and stay. They're people who went over there and who came here and enjoyed this and stayed. Like, we're, we're together in one mission. We're together. We have joy that we, we are part of something larger than ourselves. And that we're actually moving forward towards that. Are we going to be perfect? No. But we're going to trust leadership and, and, and go with them wholeheartedly. Now, I recognize that sometimes we're a, a number two, sometimes we're a three. Sometimes we feel like a one when we're like, I don't know what's going on. Um, but our goal is that we're moving towards like being this third kind of person who's all about the mission. And I'm not immune from this. Like, sometimes I have two days and sometimes I have three days. And there's part of me like, so Norma called me out. <laughs> Norma called me out. She's like, you don't, you don't really like the benediction, do you? And I was like, I, I, I have nothing against the benediction, Norma. Why do you say that? <laughs> She's like, because you don't do a very good job at it. <laughs> like the sermon's great, but then the benediction is just terrible. <laughs> she did say that, word for word, yeah. Um, and I was, I was convicted. I was convicted because it was like, no, like I had to, have, I, I didn't tell her this, but like, I said, like, I just can't see it, Norma, it's fine. Um, but in my heart, I had to recognize, like, no, there was part of me that, like, wasn't about the benediction. And I was like, oh, like, I feel like it's, like, too forced. And, but now I actually like it because it gives us a mission. It, it reminds us of who we are. It sends us out with a purpose, not a hundred different purposes, all trying to do different things. We have one purpose to talk about nothing but Jesus, which we clearly articulate each week. Like, that's great. And I used to be whiny about the language, nothing but Jesus. It's like, oh, we can just talk about Jesus, the gospel. Like, why does it always have to be this phrase? Like, I think because, like, we're so sinful that we need to hear the phrase over and over and over. And it's nothing but Jesus because we want to add all these things to Jesus. And when I'm counseling, I need to remind myself, like, okay, is my counsel just general wisdom or is it talking about Jesus? Is this sermon general wisdom or is it talking about Jesus? Is this Sunday school? Kind of like, oh, we tack on Jesus, but it's not really about him. Or is it really about nothing but Jesus? All right, we have to ask ourselves these questions and like do the hard work of looking at our hearts and figuring out if we're actually for the mission, if we can actually say these things, if we can actually be supportive from our hearts. All right. Now, uh, I can talk. I can talk a lot more about this, but um, we're gonna have, we're gonna have three more weeks to talk about this mission and, and how we how we relate to it. Oh, so you'll be sick of it. Trust me. Um, but today, today I want to just focus on like why do we why do we talk so much about nothing but Jesus? Why why is that our focus? And we're gonna do that through uh, through looking at Isaiah six, Isaiah six. <coughs> to see how he, how he kind of gets recruited and becomes on mission, how he becomes all about Jesus. He, he's sent. And he gives up his life and he's, he makes it. He makes it all about Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. So we're going to see three, three, three things in this, uh, this passage. Three things in every passage. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Sometimes there might be four, but the, nope, it never happens. The triunity makes it three points because the Trinity, that's why. Anytime anyone says that, like, there aren't three things because of the Trinity. Never. There's never three things about the Trinity except the Trinity. So just, so just if you hear that teaching, it's bad. All right. Uh, but but this, this is not bad. This is good teaching. So uh, first, if we're going to actually be on mission, we need to see Jesus. Not Jesus as we want him to be, but Jesus as he really is. All right, second, we need to see ourselves as we stand before Jesus. Ourselves as we stand before Jesus, what our actual condition is. And finally, we need to, we need to actually make the commitment to, to be about the mission. We need to actually go and be sent. So, uh, with that in mind, let's read Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. 
With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are given visions of Jesus. We are given visions of the King. And Father, I ask that these visions would not just stay on the page, that they would um, be real to us, be real to our hearts, be real to our minds. And Holy Spirit, would you show us that these things are real, that you are the Lord and you are the King. And Father, would we respond to the, to the call to be on mission because we have seen you and because we have been touched by you, because we have been cleansed. Our sins have been atoned for and our guilt has been taken away. Would you send us out? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, first of all, if we're going to be on mission, we need to see a real picture of Jesus. Now, thankfully, we don't need to go, like, drink some weird tea and, and to hope that God gives us this weird vision. No, we receive the vision that Isaiah has given us as the vision of the Lord. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. There is a king. There is a king, and he is sitting on his throne. And he is the true king. He is the real king. He is the ultimate king. All right, this passage itself recognizes there are other kings. There's King Isaiah. There's other kings that Isaiah could have looked to. But all those other kings, they die. They perish. They fade away. That there's all these things that we could give our lives to, that we could serve, that are ultimately even good things. Good things. They're not evil. They're, they're real. They're real powers. They're real things to pursue in this earth. But in the end, there's one king. There's one king who is high and lifted up, who stands up ahead of all of the others. He is more important. Ultimately, he is the only one that matters. And if we're going to give our lives to anyone or anything, it ought to be this king. Because he is the one who actually matters. All right, and what do we see about this king? All right, so this king, his robe filled the temple. You get this kind of like, Isaiah's kind of shy about talking about the Lord. And so he kind of focuses on periphery stuff. I think because the, to actually directly talk about the glory of God, to see the, the glory of his face, he couldn't describe it adequately. He couldn't possibly, he'd probably defile it in the process. So, so he gives us kind of this small glimpse of the glory of this king. And he focuses, instead of, of all things, on the robes. On the robes. Now, clothing, clothing reflects the, the person. Probably more so in scripture than in our culture now. But, all right, so if, if, you're, if you're important... Your robe is longer. Your robe is more beautiful. All right, I think of the, the royal weddings. All right, royal weddings. These ladies, all right, why do they have trains that go halfway down Westminster Abbey 
and need like 10 people to drag them in. They're clearly not like dancing well that night. You know, what, why is it so important that the trains are so long? It's because it means they're important. All right, they are better than other people. They are high and lifted up. They are, they're reflecting that they are the king and queen. They are the majesty. That's why they all have to have the, the longest train. All right, in the same way, this is, this is, this king, all right, he's so important that, okay, let's, let's, try to, let's try to figure out how to make the clothes reflect the man. And that, so the robe just fills the whole temple. All right, we just smash as much fabric in there. Then we might somehow get to the glory of this king. All right, it's kind of a stupid picture. Uh, it's kind of weird, but um, that is the picture. And that, that's the end. It stops talking about the Lord. And it's safer to talk about the beings that are around him. And so he transitions and he focuses on, on the glorious seraphim. Now there's an untold multitude of these. We don't know how many there are, but the seraphim, what is a seraphim? Uh, the seraphim are, literally it means fiery ones. These fiery flaming beings and they fly above the throne of God. And we can imagine, we can imagine the, the radiance of the fire. When fires are burning, we can, you can hear them. You can hear the flames, you can feel the heat emanating off of it. And here are these beings, these are not, these are not, these are not like pudgy baby angels. Alright, these aren't blonde ladies in choir robe angels. All right, that hang out, hang out on your, uh, your nativity sets. Okay, they look like soccer moms. No, okay, these are, these are the seraphim. These are the fiery burning ones with glory. That when people see them, they, they fall down. They're tempted to worship them and at least stand in fear. And as these angels fly above, they... They, with their wings, with one set of wings, they cover their face. Because even those beings don't deserve to look upon the Lord. That they'd be consumed by the majesty and glory of God. And they would defile God to look at him. Alright, with a set of wings, they, they cover their feet. That their unholy parts, their impurities might not be seen by the Lord. That they might not defile him. And they fly above him so that they can, they can sting, stay apart from him. You have to stay away from the Holy One. Otherwise, he consumes you. All right. And what are they there for? What are they there for? They're not protecting God. They're not fighting anyone. No, what are they doing? Verse 3. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Alright, so these glorious beings are just there so that day in and day out they could say, Holy, holy, holy. And with every holy, they kind of they multiply on themselves. This is holy to the third power. As holy as you can get, each holy making the, the first one, other one, the head of it holier. And if they shout this for all eternity to one another, these seraphim might start to understand the holiness of God. And Isaiah might get some kind of inkling of a picture of the true holiness and majesty and perfection and glory of God. And as they shout to one another, the foundations tremble. These are, these are the angels, these seraphim are, are like desperately trying to give this God the glory and worship that is due him. And so they just shout and they shout and they shout to one another. Alright, this is what worship is. When we worship, we're just trying to shout into the abyss of how glorious God is. Recognizing that we don't get anywhere near his true holiness, his true beauty, his true majesty. 
All right, we make such a goof about worship and like, oh, we, this, it was kind of loud today or like, they didn't play my song I like. Like, it's not about you. It's about the holiness and glory of God. And my hope is that we're getting somewhere near the glory of God. They're trying to get there, not looking for glory ourselves. All right. Now, why do we care? Why do you care about this picture? In the end, you will stand here and you will stand before the throne of God and at that moment, nothing else will matter. Everything else will have died and been consumed and passed away and you will be standing before that Lord and you will see the seraphim with your own eyes. You will see the glory. And at that day, Nothing else will matter. Nothing but Jesus. And you'll think, why didn't I believe he was real? This whole time I acted like the mission of God was a joke. Or that my life was more important. No, he is more important. He is more glorious. He is worth far more than I, my life will ever be worth. Why wasn't I about the mission? All right, but before that, before that, you're not going to be thinking about the mission. What are you going to think about? You're going to be thinking about exactly what Isaiah thinks. How am I going to stand before this God? What am I going to do when this God turns to judge? And look what Isaiah says in verse 5. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Right, there's only one realistic reaction we can have when we stand before and see the Lord as he actually is. We say, woe is me. Woe is me. All right, now, what does that mean, woe? What does woe mean? All right, so this is, this is a curse. That when you, you, you shout woes upon someone, you're, you're cursing them, you're damning them. And Isaiah, he just spent the previous chapter throwing out lots of woes. That he is condemning people left and right. And so the list of the, the people that he has woed. Um, woe to the rich who prey on the poor. Alright, so the, the corrupt people. He, he throws his woes out to the partiers. To those who, who drink early in the day and who drink late into the night. He throws his woes upon the liars. The proud and the arrogant. Those who call evil good and good evil. Alright, his last woe is the best. Uh, he calls... Those who think they are, they're heroes of drinking wine. All right, woe on them. Uh, all right, so he, he picked out all the bad people in society. The bad people who deserve the judgment of God. And he made this eloquent speech about how he should, all the woes upon them. But when he sees the Lord, when he sees God for who he actually is, the king seated on the throne, what does he say? Woe is me. And not woe on me, not woe, woe on Peter. No, it's, it's, I am one big woe. <laughs> right, woe is me. That like there's nothing but damnation in me. I'm one big curse. That before the holy, holy, holy of God, I'm nothing fit to even exist. I, I'm fit to be destroyed. All right, that's why we don't get sucked into like weird social agendas or, or laws or we recognize there's something very much deeper going on that we need to connect with in the church and that's that, that we are not right with God. That we cannot stand before him. That woe is me. And then all the people you think are good people are nice people, he turns around and says, not just that it, am I a, a man of unclean lips, so is everyone else around me. Woe on you guys. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. That it's not about them and us or like, hey, maybe there's some bad people out there we can condemn. Like, no, we are condemned before the Lord when we actually see him who he is. That's what happens when we truly see this king. 
All right, we need to stop with the, like, woe to the Muslim terrorists or woe to the atheistic evolutionary people, like, woe to the, the sexually impure out there. No, like, woe, woe is me. And then we are not clean enough even to pronounce those woes against them because we are a people of unclean lips. That's why we talk about nothing but Jesus. Because they need it because I need it. And I want it first because I desperately need it more. We have to be convinced if we have actually seen that holy God with the seraphim above and the foundation shaking that we are the worst of sinners. Not them out there, me. Alright, and who is, who is this, who is it? Who are we actually talking about? Alright, you have to be careful. So it, say, it says general Lord with like a lowercase Lord. Uh, and then he says, I have seen the Lord. This is, this is Yahweh. This is a special name of God. The I am name. The name that was, was revealed in the burning bush. The I am Yahweh. And we need to recognize, okay, who else, who else uses that name? Jesus. Yes. Good job, Tom. Jesus. Jesus uses that name. That when he, he says, before Abraham was, I am. That when the, when, the, when the guards come to arrest Jesus, they say, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And what does he say? He says, Yahweh, I am. And the people fall down flat on their faces because he just said that he is God. And they must have believed it to some extent. All right. John 12 even says, it says that Isaiah saw the glory of Jesus and spoke about him. The glory of Jesus and spoke about him. And then it quotes this passage. It quotes this passage in referring to it. This is Jesus on the throne. This is King Jesus. Alright, don't get into this myth that, that Jesus isn't in the Old Testament or this Old Testament God is different. No, this is Jesus. Jesus is Yahweh. Yahweh is Jesus. There's one God, but in three persons. And Jesus is fully God. He has seen Jesus on the throne. Alright, if you don't have this, this view of Jesus to balance out the hippie, happy, flower power Jesus, alright, then you need more of this one. We should be devastated by Jesus. Terrified by him. And once we get there, then he moves towards us. And what happens in verse 6? Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Alright, I'm not going to say much about this except that it's a picture. It's a symbol of atonement and of paying for guilt. Now throughout the Old Testament there are symbols and pictures of this. Of sin being atoned for, of guilt being taken away. And all of them point towards one thing, the cross of Jesus. That all of them are effective because they're connected to the power of the cross of Jesus. And we have to recognize that yes, we are the worst of sinners standing before God. And so that same Jesus on the throne, the glorious one that the seraphim couldn't even look at, came down and was nailed to this cross. And he said, woe is me. That Jesus became the curse for us. He became death for us. He became sin for us. So we might be atoned for us. We might have no more guilt. When you go and you stand before the throne of God, you better take nothing with you but Jesus. If you take anything else, you and it will be consumed. 
That nothing but Jesus can stand on that day. Nothing but Jesus can stand before the throne. Nothing but Jesus can stand before the seraphim. And if you stand on anything but Jesus, you'll be destroyed. That's why we talk about nothing but Jesus. That's why we care about nothing but Jesus. We're trying to rip everything away from people so that they might have Jesus so they could stand and not be destroyed. Because by Jesus, by his blood and by his flesh, by his death and resurrection, we are so united to that king up there that we could say, holy, holy, holy is us. We are so united to Jesus that we are holy because Jesus has given us his holiness. He has given us his perfection. That we don't have to fear, we don't have to tremble, we don't have to be ashamed. We can walk straight into the throne room of God because we are united to this Jesus that Jesus has made us perfect. Nothing but Jesus. Let go of anything else. Don't take anything else with you to the throne room. Now, this is a picture, a picture of, of the cross. A symbol of the cross. Now, we're about to partake of another symbol. That this is the body and blood of Christ. That by putting our faith in Jesus, that this actually unites us to Jesus. <coughs> that the, the blood and the body go inside of us, they cleanse us from the inside out. They are a picture of the holiness that we are united to. That we have no fear, we have nothing. Nothing to pay for, no guilt. And just so we know that, and that's, that's, that's it. That's it. Get Jesus, and we're going to actually, we're going to partake of the, of the Lord's Supper. And then I'll come back for the third point, because it's so, it's so removed from each other. All right. This is the end of this sermon. We have another one that will respond to this because it's done. Amen? Amen? All right, let's partake.
simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus song 
into my heart, into my heart. You're looking into my heart, into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made when it's all about you it's all about you Jesus That's the gospel. The gospel is done at this point. Nothing but Jesus is done. You have nothing more to earn. You have nothing more to do. And it's into that context that we see this last verse. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. That we respond to Jesus coming, to Jesus being sent, to Jesus the Holy One losing everything and dying and perishing on the cross for our sins and raising for life to give us his holiness. And now he calls us and he says, who will go? And when we respond, this isn't begrudgingly. This isn't with bitterness or with, with sorrow. This is joy. That we now get to speak about this holy one who came and made us holy. This glorious one who shared his glory with us. Who made us perfect before him. Jesus was 100% devoted to the mission and now he says, Okay, having received the mission of, that I gave to you, go, go and be on mission for me. Now that's where I, we're going practical. I'm saying, okay, go about, be about the mission of Reach Church. And maybe you're thinking, well, no, that's different. I'm, that's, not, that's not the universal mission of the church. That's not, that's just, that's just Reach. It's just a human thing. It's, no, God gave his mission to the church. And if you are part of this church, which many of you are, you call this church your, your home and your family, then you're called to be a part of this mission. And that this king came down and gave certain leaders and he gave us a vision and do you believe in it? Will you be part of it? Will you be all about the mission with us? Because we want to give people nothing but Jesus. Now, I feel like at, at this is usually the point where the pastor is supposed to say, like, now get out your pledge cards and devote $10,000 to the building fund. Like, no. No, that's not what I'm asking you to do. All right, I'm asking for your hearts. I'm asking for, for more, more than money, actually. Like, I'm asking for your devotion to it. I'm asking you to say nothing but Jesus and say it sincerely. I'm asking you to say reach church and say it sincerely. I'm asking you to, to change the way that you talk about things, to, to be excited about the mission, to be excited about being a campus, to be excited about the Summit Bridge Road campus as a partner in ministry, that you change the way that you talk to your neighbors about the church, that you would shape the way that you come to this body and are excited to do the mission. Now, I recognize that it's hard to say that. It's hard to trust that you could be at other churches, you could be at other places, and to fully commit to this place is hard. But my hope is that you would shape your heart and you would work on your heart and you'd be able to say that, that you are all in. Now, if you're ready to, to say that, we would like to hear that and know, like, okay, you're, you're all in, you're ready. Um, 
we actually have have response cards. So uh, so right here, Tom, Steve, Owen, uh, in front of you, there there are cards that paper pages that you can fill out. Yeah, that that say like I am fully committed. I am all in. And if we can pass those down, that would be great. Um, to, to fill these out and to, to say I am all in and not just that I'm all in, I'm also like to one step further, like are you, are you willing to be part of just the Sunday mission? The mission on Sunday morning from 9 to, to noon, are you willing to like be all about getting, getting people to see nothing but Jesus and to look at nothing but Jesus and to be all about nothing but Jesus? There's some practical steps that you could take. You can be part of our social media team, which is basically just saying, I will like reach stuff sometimes. And I will share some of their posts. And I'll willingly smile in pictures. Um, <laughs> not intentionally frowning, so you will not be on the website. Uh, yeah, I'd like, I, yes, you do that. I know you do. Um, I've seen it. Um, we're asking you to be on mission with us. Um, with me, with the leaders of Reach Church, and if you're ready to do that, that's great. If you're not, we're going to talk more about the mission. And you can take it home. You can think about it. You can bring it back. Um, if you are ready to fill it out, there's a, a basket in the lobby that you can put that in. Um, I just hope you see the heart of the church is about Jesus. And you'd want to, to do whatever we can to, to obey this Lord to give him the glory he deserves. Let's make the name of Jesus great. Because he's done amazing things. He, he is who he is. And he's done what he's done. And he's done it for us. Amen? Amen. Alright, let's pray. Father, we are, we are overwhelmed by the work of Jesus. Thank you for the vision of Isaiah. Thank you for showing us your, your glory and your majesty and your holiness. I ask that it would change us and would shape us and would, would put us on mission. Father, I ask that you would change our hearts, that we may be wholeheartedly excited about the mission of Reach Church and about nothing but Jesus. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that you've provided the way for us. Would we give you all the glory and praise? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.